This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Bob Comsick. Good afternoon and welcome to the Saturday edition of the best of Fight Back from the week that was. Monday, we remember those who came before us and all they sacrificed so that we can live the way we do and the way so many around the world only wish they could. I filled in for Libby and spoke with 99-year-old World War II veteran Jack Rind, an officer with the Royal Canadian Artillery who served in the Italian campaign and fought in the Battle of Monte Cassino. What are we remembering? What is Remembrance Day really all about? Let's have some clear thoughts on that. I mean, we wear poppies, and uh, that was for... uh uh, Vimy Ridge a hundred years ago. Are we clear on are you, what we're trying to remember? I think is really the horrors of war. That's important that we we think about the horrors of war. There are a lot of wars, of course, smaller wars, the Afghan War and Crimean War. But I, let's just, we're thinking mostly about World War One and World War Two. And World War One was a hundred ended a hundred years ago, and uh, World War. Two was uh, oh, so nearly seventy-five years ago. It ended. So how how can we remember and uh, those? Well, we can. Uh, we talk about playing games. I don't know that that's the right way. I think we can learn by uh, by reading and maybe you're listening to veterans. But there aren't many of us left. <laughs> uh, no. So, uh, but the horrors of war are something that are terribly important uh, to remember. After all. Uh, in, uh, let's say, World War II, uh, uh, there were a million Canadians involved one way or another. There were f- over 40,000 uh, Canadians uh, c- killed. Uh, I mean, there were people in your families that saw saw their members go off, and they never saw them again. They came ba- or they came back wounded. So, so should we just forget about that? I mean, should we just forget about? No, that's what remembering is all about, and it's important to remember. Uh, the the horrors of war and and uh, the fact that we we should try to avoid uh, uh, war as much as possible. War is such a horrible thing, and uh, you know wh- wh- why did we ever get into World War Two anyway? Uh, what was it all about? You're just talking a minute ago. Somebody who's saying people went overseas and it had nothing to do with the, what was happening on this side of the water. But we had Hitler who was trying to invade. Uh, he, he was a dictator trying to ruin the freedom of countries and spreading his dictatorship around. He took over countries like Czechoslovakia, Romania, Hungary, and we said if he, we had to stop him. If he goes into one more country, we got to stop him. And he went into one more country, Poland. And so in September 1939, we decided to stop him. And after all, you know, uh, we we want to keep. What's our our national anthem? Goes something like, "How does it go?" Oh, Canada, we stand on guard for thee. God keep our land glorious and free. And that that's that's what what the war was all about. But but it certainly should be be avoided. And uh, I, it was awful for us, but it was worse for the civilians. It's typical of off, how awful war is. The, uh, the civilians suffered tremendously. The Italians, we ruined their 
houses, killed a lot of them in the, the shells that we were firing and the Germans were and so on. It was so awful. And, 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 and another thing that was so stupid, awful about war, one day I'd be up with, with the infantry with my cannons, uh, and they'd want me to show and, and knock out a, a German machine gunner, and I'd fire on him with, with my, controlling my fire. And, and the next day I'd, be, I'd, I'd capture some Germans, and they'd be guys just, just like my own guys. They had families at home and, and uh, you know, were just, just guys like my own guys, and just like us, and we were killing them. It, it was such a stupid thing. Uh, anyway, so I could go on about that, but so I could talk lots more. And Jack, just before we let you go, uh, how did you find the adjustment to civilian life? It was it was very simple, very wonderful. I came home. Uh, you remember the war ended in May. We all wanted to get home, but we had to spend the summer over in Holland. And Holland, the, the Dutch people were so grateful to the Canadians for relieving us that they couldn't be more friendly or grateful. They made that summer to Canadians very welcome. So we finally got home, and when I got home, I was greeted by uh, somebody who had been training me and said, but was running a life company and said, come and work for me. So I got a job right away my, at my family, and I immediately got into business, went back with my family life and met a wonderful girl at this place of work who turned to be a wonderful wife. And so, it, it, you know, I read about, there was no adjustment for me. It was just wonderful to come home and, and, and have a very lucky, wonderful life. 99-year-old World War II veteran Jack Rind. You're listening to the best of Fight Back. I'm Bob Comsick for Jane Brown. Don Cherry can raise eyebrows, but what he said on his Coach's Corner segment on Hockey Night in Canada two days before Remembrance Day had many saying he should be fired. You people love you. you they come here, whatever it is. You love our way of life. You love our milk and honey. At least you could pay a couple of bucks for poppies or something like that. Then on Remembrance Day, Cherry was fired, but does not apologize. I know what I said, and I meant it. Still do. Everybody in Canada should wear a poppy to honor our fallen soldiers. I speak the truth, and I walk the walk. The 85-year-old Cherry insists he was not directing his remarks at minorities or immigrants, but rather everybody. He also says he could have kept his job had he agreed to become, as he puts it, a tame robot who nobody would recognize. Libby discussed the polarizing sports figure with Sean Fitzgerald, senior national writer with The Athletic Canada and author of Before the Lights Go Out. It's a surprise insofar as that it's only happening now in a way that this is something that Don Cherry has been courting on and off for 40 years, that you can go back and you can find clips, you can find uh, old newspaper articles of things that he said that today would have generated much the same reaction, um, except that, you know, generally speaking, um, his employer found a way to, to cover for him. And by cover for him, I mean, say, you know, we'll talk to him, but, you know, we let him know that this doesn't reflect our views, but he will continue on because his job is to generate opinions and they're awfully strong opinions and they don't reflect on us. Well, I mean, Canada's changed. You know, the landscape has changed, both media and on social media. And when it happened this time, there was no overcoming this one. He succumbed to a controversy that he could not overcome. And and to distill it down, really, is that this time Don Cherry really hurt people. Like, by attacking 
in the way that he did by saying you people, what he did was he othered a giant swath of the population and raised questions about what it is to be Canadian and to feel Canadian. Uh, is it just a question of times changing or is it, you know, at one point maybe he was bigger than the network or bigger than the sport and that's no longer the case? Is uh, either Are either of those things true? Yeah, I mean, the media landscape has is, is, is undergone several, like it's molting, right? It, it's it's changed so much and, and the forces are pretty well documented, whether it be ad revenues, whether it be, you know, in the case of Sportsnet, you know, people cutting cable and, you know, consuming media through other means. So yes, that has changed as well. But, but the Canada that, you know, he would have addressed, the constituency that he would have addressed, you know, 20 years ago, even, um, it's, you know, that might still be there, but, you know, Canada, again, the face of Canada is changing. The tastes have to evolve alongside. It only stands to reason. Um, and, and that, you know, through this, through what, you know, he's been talking about, and Bruce Arthur at the Toronto Star, I think, had a really interesting way of putting it, that, you know, for so long, Don Cherry was the high priest of hockey in this country. And, you know, hockey hasn't changed along with Canada. So that's why you see stagnating uh, enrollment rates. That's why you see, you know, huge sections of the population vastly underrepresented in the grassroots participation. And, and it all sort of falls in line with the notion that, you know, things change. Hockey hasn't changed along with it. And, you know, this potentially is one of the consequences. So where does that leave all the people who are totally in favor of Cherry, who think this was unfair, it was muzzling him? Where does that leave all of those, presumably, hockey fans? Well, I mean, they'll still be able to watch their hockey. Um, and I'm sure Don Cherry will, will land on his feet somewhere, whether that be in, in one of the new digital platforms or, or, or who knows what. But, I mean, you cannot have, in 2019, somebody with that platform, a national platform, carried on the CBC, but the CBC doesn't have editorial control. So that's something that Roger Sportsnet does. And you cannot have somebody just on the cuff saying, you people, um, you can't. And, and, and it was about wearing poppies, but it was very clear about who he was talking about. Well, he um, says just, and, just and you to, cannot have somebody do that. He said that's not what he meant, though he wouldn't apologize for it. What's that worth? Well, I mean, that's that's what he's saying. But I think it's pretty clear that if you go through it, um, you, you know, it doesn't require a lot of parsing. Um, he's talking about Mississauga. He's talking about downtown Toronto. These are, in, even in the context of a very diverse country, um, very diverse regions of southern Ontario. I, I don't think he was talking to me. Sean Fitzgerald, what would you like to leave us with? This is a, a point where, I mean, the discussion can be had now. But I think that, you know, there will be an opportunity where folks who are underrepresented in the game uh, will have a chance to, you know, explain, you know, explore the potential within the game that, you know, this could be a moment where maybe hockey indirectly um, finds its way to, to reach out to new communities. Sean Fitzgerald, senior national writer with The Athletic Canada and author of Before the Lights Go Out. You're listening to the best of Fightback. I'm Bob Kopsick. Normally, when the Fightback strategy panel gathers, they talk about Trudeau, Shear, Singh, Ford, and others. But this week, like everyone else, former city councillor Karen Stintz, Charles Byrd, and John Capobianco weighed in on Don Cherry. 
it's unfortunate what happened, obviously. I think that um, Don Cherry, who a lot of folks uh, over many, many years have looked up to as, and, and has, you know, have sort of seen and heard him on, on Hockey Night in Canada for, for many years talking about hockey. And for him to weigh in on this issue, I think, was was troubling. Not that, you know, he hasn't in the past, because, of course, Don Cherry's always been a huge supporter of the vets and the veterans. Has uh, always done some major things on, on Remembrance Day over the past many, many years, uh, as, as probably more so than most Canadians. Uh, in the past, but you know, you just can't get away these days with saying things like, you know, you people uh, not wearing poppies. And I think that, as unfortunate as it was, and, and he might have meant everyone should be wearing more poppies, but the fact that he didn't, he didn't come quick enough to say that, obviously affected it. And, and the, you know, it just you could just see the rage that that Canadians had as a result of what he said. And, and obviously, they they fired him, which is probably the right thing to do given the fact that the broadcasters were getting criticized and as well as with the sponsors. So yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot of money involved here. And, and when you have their title sponsor, Budweiser saying, uh, this doesn't reflect us, then, uh, you know, in the Legion as well, the, the association of the legions that represent all the Legion halls across, across Canada basically said, look at as much as we admire what Don Cherry has done in the past, we just can't condone his comments. And we, we of course represent, you know, all Canadians and all, uh, all of those, uh, who, uh, in the war. I uh, have to admit that I have been a Don Cherry fan for a long time. I realized that, the, you know, he's fond of talking about things other than hockey and occasionally gets himself into hot water. But, you know, Coach's Corner has been a guilty pleasure of mine for a long time. You should be guilty. And, <laughs> and I remember him coaching the Bruins back in the 70s, you know, in those classic confrontations with the Montreal Canadiens when, when the Canadiens were at their, at their very finest. And, I mean, he's been a big part of hockey and uh, an iconic figure in Canada for a long time. So it's really unfortunate it's ended this way. Um, it's pretty clear to me that had he chosen to come out and apologize, that he probably would have been able to keep his job. He uh, decided against that. Um, I think it's, it's, um, it's a loss for Hockey Night in Canada. It may not be a loss for a lot of Canadians, but I think you know underlying all this is this sort of divide where I, I think there's probably a sizable segment of Canadians who, who feel that what he had to say was more accurate than not, as inartfully stated as it may have been. And um, why, whereas there are just a, a, an equal, if not greater, number of Canadians who are fed up with this kind of bombast and, and see him as an anachronism and someone whose time had passed. Well, Karen, you know, at least at this table, I suspect there is a gender divide in, <laughs> in, well, in the way that Don Cherry is, is, is viewed. Uh, not your, your curmudgeonly lovable uncle, according to right. the women well, at the table. You know, I have to sort of offer some full disclosure. I, I don't watch hockey. I'm not a Hockey Night in Canada fan, uh, but I will say that I lost a lot of respect for Don Cherry as a figurehead or any kind of spokesperson when he came to city council when Rob Ford was mayor and gave the inaugural speech, wearing his pink suit and calling anybody who didn't support Rob Ford a pink Okami and said, you know, stick that in your pipe and smoke it. And so, you know, for many years, I mean, and this was, when was this, back in 2010? At least. At least. Yeah. So he's been commenting on matters other than hockey for some time. And he's been allowed to get away with it because everyone's like, oh, well, that's just, that's just Don Cherry. Well, at some point, you're like, no, you know what? The world is moving on. And whatever you want to say at your own dinner party, 
you know, Bob's your uncle. But when you're in public at a public forum, which he is as a public figure, which he is, he has an obligation to temper those views. And quite frankly, I think Canadians were right to call him out on it. John, what would you like to leave us with on this? Canada has evolved. And, and you know, what we saw in the, in the election campaign and what we saw, you know, even with Don Cherry, I think um, people just need to be sensitive and we need to be a country united, not divided. And I think that we just have to be aware that um, this country is a diverse country with immigrants. I, you know, my parents came from Italy and in, in, in 1960. So proud of that heritage. And we should all be um, happy that, that we are the, as strong as we are because of that. And we should be celebrating that. John Capobianco of Fleischman Hillard High Road, Charles Bird of Ernstcliff Strategy Group, and Karen Stintz, former Toronto City Councillor, current Chief Executive of Variety Village. You're listening to the best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Bob Comsick. Don Cherry was not the topic when the Zoomer squad huddled this week. David Kravitz, Vice President, Zoomer Media, Peter Muggeridge, Senior Editor, Zoomer Magazine, and Marissa Lennox, Chief Policy Officer of the Zoomer Advocacy Group, CARP, talked about the viral phrase on social media, which is an online eye roll to baby boomers. Okay, boomer. It seems to have risen on social media. They, they've sort of located it on TikTok, which is, is, is a very young person's social right. media. It's, right. it's like a teenager one isn't it right and anyway and and it, it's sort of like um it's like a whatever you know like took the word right out of yeah, my mouth it's like yeah. you know you're you're talking about uh issues that you know i i don't care about and uh, okay boom or whatever you know move yeah, on. like uh brushing somebody off yeah, politely exactly. Exactly. or maybe not so depending on how you take it because yeah. when someone asked me and said well what what do you think does it bother you i went no uh, it's meant to be an ironic sort of an eye roll, you know, whatever you say, chuckle, 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 you know, right, sort yeah, of yeah. dismissive. It's meant to be. But and then, and then someone used quite it come to, off. I don't think that the, in, in the New Zealand parliament, someone used it. She was, she was being, uh, she's a young MP and I, I think she's in her twenties and, uh, and she was being heckled for her stance on, on the environment. And she said, okay, boomer, as if to say, you know, you're, whatever you're saying is, is irrelevant, you know? Yeah, it's almost like a pat on the head, too, type of very thing, right? You know, very, very condescending. condescending. Yeah. Marissa, now that you've heard about yeah. this a little bit more, I mean, oh, what do you sure. make of it? Well, for starters, I find it terribly rude. I mean, I would never dismiss someone like that. But, uh, you know, at CARP, um, obviously a core part of our mandate is to fight against ageism and that's not just fighting against age discrimination in the workplace that's everything from stereotypes about you know um, you know for example seniors are technologically inept is a stereotype we hear often and and or someone saying something seemingly innocuous like oh i've forgotten i'm having a seniors moment and i think that that would sort of fall in this category like i think that it it it, it to an extent drips of ageism but at the same time is is somewhat innocuous um Though I should probably defer to the to the boomers on the panel, you know, do you find it offensive? Are you offended by a statement like yeah, that? Yeah, I wasn't. Uh, David or Peter? No, I, I, I think also this is part of a very old, thousands of years old dynamic between the generation. You always had 
uh, young people rolling their eyes at the elders. You always had the elders shaking their fists at the young whippersnappers and saying, when I was your age, I walked 10 miles to school through the mm. snow. So we have, we have quotes that date back to, you know, Herodotus, 500 BC, the Greek historian saying he had no faith in the future of the country when he <laughs> took a look at the young people who were coming on, <laughs> on board. They're rude. They're, they're disrespectful. So this is an old, old theme. What's different this time, I think, is that the millennials, this is not a new thing. This is the culmination of a lot of intergenerational anger because unlike the past where the old people really were on their way out, uh, now the old people are sort of still powerful, are still staying in the game and are yeah. perceived by the younger people as getting in the way and really blocking, yeah. materially blocking progress. So that's the serious side of it. But otherwise, I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah. I Peter. mean, it, it, it comes like they're they're competing for jobs where, you know, boomers are still working. Right. And we have a boomer president in, in the States. And, and it's just like it. They're ready for for that older generation to move on, and it's not moving on. And I think this is just a. And it always and used to move on. It always used now. to move yeah. on. And this time, no. Not, no. So this is yeah. a little bit new. I, I think the the conflict used to be with with the young generation and the generation ahead of it, but now it's two generations ahead of it, or three sometimes. You know, so that's the difference this time around. David Kravitz, Vice President, Zoomer Media; Peter Mugridge, Senior Editor, Zoomer Magazine; and Marissa Lennox, Chief Policy Officer of the Zoomer Advocacy Group, CARP, who all make up the Zoomer Squad. Heard Mondays on Fight Back. This is Zoomer Radio's best of Fight Back. I'm Bob Kompsik. Fight Back with Libby Snymer brings you comprehensive coverage of the news stories that interest you and your reaction to them on the phones. We've gone through the audio, and here are some of the best calls of the week. Warren in Oshawa weighed in on Don Cherry's poppy remarks. I agree with Don Cherry 100%. I think maybe with this dialogue and everybody talking about it now, people will appreciate Remembrance Day a lot more now, and spend even a quarter, buy a poppy, like just, you know. Vern in Waterdown is also in the coach's corner. I agree with him 100%. We live in a free country because of the many Canadians that sacrificed themselves in two great wars to keep us that way. And many of the newcomers come here because it's a free country, and they should remind us that the poppy is a symbol um, to us all of those that gave their lives. Their refusal to wear a poppy uh, is, in my opinion, to, to disallow that memory of our soldiers. Tim and Brampton had this to say about Cherry's remarks. My complaint with Don Cherry is he used the poppy, which is a a symbol of unification, of belief in the past, of things to be better in the future. But he used it as a weapon, and that's what I object to. Bill in East York complained about city snow removal. I live in East York. I've lived here for 25 years. My windrow... They come, after I shovel my sidewalks, three days later, they come with a bobcat when there's no snow, and they clean my sidewalk. They draw the night of the snowfall, or the next morning, they put five tons of snow at the end of my driveway. The elderly lady that lives next door to me, she's 80-some-odd years old, they put five tons in hers. I'm 60 years old. i got to get out. i got to shovel out all this snow out of those driveways. Like, what are you people doing? Diane in Scarborough cannot figure out the city's snow removal efforts. What happens on our street, the little plow comes by and does the sidewalk. 
And then later in the day, the big plow comes and undoes the uh, ends of the driveway. But that scoop that they scoop out from the end of the driveway, they dump onto the sidewalk. So every 50 feet or so, there's this mound or mountain of snow on the sidewalks. People can't access, you know, and it's hard to clear that because it's not just snow. It's these great big boulders of ice and whatever. What what are they doing? Like, it's all this money that they're spending and effort putting into it. It accomplishes nothing. And now, Fightback's Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fightback Knockout Call of the Week comes from Lynn in Mississauga, who wanted to remember the vets, including those in her family. My great-grandfather came to this country from UK in the late 1800s. He trained soldiers. He fought in World War One. My grandfather fought in World War One and Two. My father fought in World War Two. And I have a nephew that's in our armed forces and has served in Afghanistan as we speak. So I would just like to say thank you to all these amazing people who came before us and paved the way for the life that we enjoy, our liberties, our freedom of speech, our everything is on their shoulders, and I thank them. That does it for today's Best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week, phone us between noon and one weekdays at 416-360-0740 on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, also 96.7 FM downtown. Or if you have a comment, email us at fightback at zoomer.ca and follow us on Twitter at fightbacklibby. I'm Bob Comsick for Jane Brown. Join me again at the same time tomorrow when we'll round up the rest of the best of Fightback. The best of Fightback is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeev Hadi, with technical production by Kelly Robotham. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.